to the Jam Yearbook. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. We're here to take you on a journey through these years as we explore the music in our lifetime and the impact it's had on us in the world we've lived in. <laughs> Welcome to our Thanksgiving special episode. If you're listening from Matt's side of the pond, you should be full of turkey and all your favorite fixings by now. Maybe you've even moved on to leftovers already. At least some seconds. And if you're listening from Jim's side of the pond, you're probably hating us for Black Friday creeping over and wondering why we make such a big deal about a Sunday roast once a year. So, so Jim, you, you wanted me to mention this. Yes. What the hell is a Sunday roast and what's it got to do with Thanksgiving? So Sunday roast is almost like a big Thanksgiving dinner that they have over here every single week in the UK. So you don't have to wait until Thanksgiving. It's, it's one of the, the highlights of living in the UK. <laughs> well, it's that last big meal before we go into hibernation. Yeah, it is. It is. But I think every every week here, it's the last big meal before, you know, we uh, have to go back to work on a Monday. So it's not. Oh, I was way. kind of hoping you meant it was like a Dean Martin roast where you just sit around and. <laughs> each other. Well, that's that just <laughs> happens every day over here. So that's no different. <laughs> So we don't need to give a history lesson on Thanksgiving for our audience. And we sounded kind of funny at the start because we've decided to make this week about a kind of music that originated in America. Country music. Yeehaw! Neither Jim and I, we we don't claim to be experts of country music. So this is going to be kind of a special, shorter episode, but we do find ourselves talking about it from time to time. We're not going to depress you with deaths or deep dive into a genre we don't really know a whole lot about, especially in the recent years. Instead, we'll talk about our personal experience with country music and give our five favorite country songs of all time from any decade. Yeah. So this might be before our lifetime. Yeah. Which which is most of the country music we like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Jim, uh, let's start with you. Give us some background on country music in your life. Jim, Bowen, this is your life. All right. Country music is, it's a dual-edged sword for me. I was literally raised on it. When people talk about the music they were raised on in my household, it was country music. Growing up, my parents had a pretty good collection of vinyl, but I really only listened to three albums that they had that weren't country. The Beatles' Yesterday, Today, the Jackson 5's Greatest Hits, and the Supremes' Love Child. Aside from Elvis and a few Ricky Nelson 45s, everything else pretty much was country. Like most kids, you're going to either embrace or reject whatever your parents are listening to. And I developed a deep loathing for country music once I reached <laughs> my early teens because I was surrounded by it. And like me sitting here talking about music with you each week, my dad liked to just sit around and talk about country. <laughs> yeah, this earlier music I remember listening to, much like you, you know, was from my parents' collection, I think mostly from my father. Um, outside of Elvis, I don't recall my mom being attached to too much. Not to say that she wasn't a music fan. She was. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see my parents dance. No. But it was quite the spectacle. People would actually like go, whoa, and, you know, and watch them. Nice. I think it was growing up in the era they did, uh, you know, when the music was on, you know, that right, that right beat, they were all smiles. Mm -hmm. But much like you early on, it was mostly going through uh my dad's 45s, Motown, Supremes, Miracles, Four Tops, and a bunch of Elvis. Uh, but those 45s were from when he was younger. One of the first albums I remember them listening to was the Statler Brothers. Uh-huh. You want to know why I connect with, you know, rich harmonies? You know, this is one of the reasons right there. 
yeah, you know, speaking of harmonies and it wasn't country, I also think my parents had a Beach Boys album, which you hear me talk mm. a lot about my love for Brian Wilson. So I think I also got that out of their record collection. I remember spinning Good Vibrations on the turntable when I was really young. And because my brother was five years older, I forget that some of the music in my house was eventually his when I was starting to become aware of it. But my mother wasn't interested in collecting music. She didn't really have any records. My dad was the one who was dedicated to his country music records. Yeah, that was the same with my dad. He seemed to be more dedicated than my mom. Um, and yet, whatever is in the air when you're growing up, you're going to learn to accept it. You know, you don't have that music authority yet. You, you know, your first seven years or so, you're in the passenger seat, so hands off the radio. <laughs> you know, and like you said, uh, when you hit those teenage years, you're going to reject it, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of impassionately reject it to what mom and dad used to listen to. But when you get older, you, you can't stop having that emotional connection to it just, you know, because of the memories. No, absolutely. I, I tend now to associate country music with nostalgia. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think either of us are really fans of new country. Mm -hmm. I, I've never had a reason in my adult life to connect to it. But as I grew older, I definitely appreciated some of the old classic sounds, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Kenny Rogers, take me back to the good times. I love that sound of the old records and their authenticity. Sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, I like to be just like my dad. I'll cook some chili in the kitchen, put on some Kenny Rogers, drink some beers, and I'll get teary-eyed. You know, I get the nostalgia <laughs> from it, you know, thinking yeah. of him and, and, and some of the songs. Uh, but I think for me, it's that authenticity that's the largest part missing from modern country music today. Yes, definitely. And you said it last week, our lack of enjoyment of modern country is where we agree the most. A lot of that can be staken for, you know, the back in the my day argument, but it does feel that today's country has fallen into pop territory mm -hmm. for me, you know, when just lacking authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. But we also, we're, we're, we're not experts in it. No, you know, this is an outsider's opinion. It is. It is. And, and it's not to be disrespectful for other people's opinions, because those people who are yeah. naturally attracted to country music, of course, are going to be in a new country. And it's something that's just it's the same as being attracted to hip hop or being attracted to reggae. We have mm -hmm. we dip in and out of all those different styles, just like we dip in and out of country. But we definitely have an era that we appreciate the most between the both of us. I got very fortunate when I was living in Bennington, Vermont in the 90s. I worked at a day service for elderly and disabled adults. And this is where I learned about Hank Williams. And even though he's not going to be the first country artist I'll reach out for if I'm in the mood to listen, I developed an appreciation for those old country songs. And he was at the forefront of country as it went mainstream. Yeah, and country, uh, I've, I've mentioned it before, it kind of came back into my life in the 90s when I was in college with Garth Brooks. Um, mm -hmm. And while I don't listen to those albums anymore, I can't say I hated it at the time. And if I heard it again, I probably, you know, would say, oh, I, you know, I'd get that little wave of nostalgia from it. He had some really good songs that actually did sound like country music, mm -hmm. but not much else was brought to the table in my group. As far as country, I drank a lot to friends in low places. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good group singing song. Yeah, it is. I would actually listen to him on purpose, even, you know, a couple years after college. Um, I liked it, but not to the point of being curious about country as a whole. Mm -hmm. The only other one I can remember was uh, Mark turned me on to Dwight Yoakam's album this time. There's, 
around 93. And I do recommend that album. That's a good country album. Yeah, that album was played quite a bit in my house. I remember my dad owning it. He liked White Yoakum. I actually got to see my parents. They went on a wedding anniversary to Nashville and they went to the Grand Old Opry and they were on Crook and Chase, which was a television show on Nashville Network. And White Yoakum was the guest musician there. And my parents had a front row seat. I remember, you know, tuning in and seeing them sitting there. Right. My dad was just, oh, it was it was like it was like (laughs) if you took us to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, yeah. you know, we got to watch the Ramones or something like that, you know. Get yeah, you could see him turn into a little kid. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think when it came to Garth Brooks at that time, though, I was too cool for school. When it came to new country, by the time he rolled around, my gas for new country had run out by the kind of the mid to late 80s. I was intentionally staying as far away from it as possible. So you've never told me about country music in your house growing up. It it seems like your parents had a diverse taste in music and country was part of that. How much were you exposed from your parents? How much exposure do they really give you? Um, Quite a bit in late seventies. My parents had that Columbia record club, you know, but it was eight track tapes and how (laughs) terrible that sound quality was, but you know, back then I didn't care. And this is before I'm realizing that there's oh there's different genres in music you know it was just all music yeah back then it all kind of blended in but my parents definitely got into country in those years and aside from who you mentioned there was tanya tucker uh well we talked about george jones before crystal gale uh merle haggard waylon jennings Loretta lynn they had a ton of dolly parton kenny rogers too nice um all the big stars from back then but the 80s weren't too far away and you know i just grew away from it yeah i think really the only ones that kind of maybe held on in my life were Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers because they had crossover success on the pop charts. Yeah. And then you had a resurgence with Johnny Cash later on and you, Oh, definitely. You definitely had a big Johnny Cash phase. Yeah. Those names, they were all bouncing around my childhood as well. I said earlier, I've taken up my father's tradition of putting on some classic music on a Sunday afternoon and cooking up a storm in the kitchen. I like a few of the country artists from the early eighties. I was a fan of Eddie rabbit. I think Alabama, uh, oh yeah, yeah you know th- those were great bands uh barbara mandrell and of course whatever kenny rogers was doing during that time the last country artist i kind of caught on to and enjoyed before i turned my nose up at it and decided i was too cool for it was randy travis and his debut album but beyond that country music kind of got lost for me um and yeah when randy travis came out he had that country crooner's voice that I don't really recall hearing around yeah. as much as in the 60s. Yeah. I've always said that country music readjusts itself, and it probably has in the past 10, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and we're just not paying attention to notice it. But country likes to tow itself right to the edge of pop music, and it almost crosses over at times. And then somebody comes along and takes it right back to its roots. And Randy Travis yeah. did that in the 80s. We talked about Eddie Rabbit and Barbara Mandrell and some of these artists were crossing over. Kenny Rogers was definitely a crossover success. So I think that as much as they're all admired and still revered for their music and what they contributed, Randy Travis was that guy that made people feel country again when he came mm-hmm. along. Yeah. After dabbling in the 90s, country came back to me in the 2000s, early 2000s, you know, probably around 2003. It was the winter after Max was born. Yeah. I would wake up with him, go through the whole, you know, eating and all that routine. And then after that was done, I'd come into this room that I'm in now because it used to be kind of like a nursery and playroom and everything Mm -hmm. um, and lay him on his back. 
and just play. You know, he's he's only a few months old. He's not going to do much yeah. other than just look up at me and smile and, <laughs> and spit up. Um, but we, I had a small radio on the floor. And um, I think I've talked about this before where I, I really enjoy kind of like just going through the dial manually and just seeing if I can find new stuff, new stations, stations that change, change format or just brand new um, altogether. And I got to this part of the dial where I heard Kalijah by Hank Williams. And I'm like, well, hold on now. Let me, I haven't heard this since my, probably my grandfather played it. So in nostalgia kicked in as they just kept playing Kitty Wells, Marty Robbins. And I connected with this music again for, you know, a few years, this became my morning routine. What was old was new again, because I just hadn't heard it in forever. And some of it I had never heard. Yeah. And uh, I just really found myself enjoying listening to it. Mm -hmm. Hearing it made me realize how much I did hear growing up <laughs> and, and had forgotten all about great voices like Don Williams, Jim Reeves, and Buck Owens. Ah, Jim you know, Reeves, fuck. though, he was phenomenal. Oh, man, yeah. so smooth. You talk about Randy Travis and a crooner, right? Yeah. You know, I can name drop for an hour. <laughs> um, and we were in Bennington visiting family, and I noticed my father-in-law's CDs. He was a big country music. I spent a lot of time that weekend ripping discs with all of these classic country hits. <laughs> I remember putting him on the spot one day. I said, Gary, you could choose one artist to listen to the rest of your life you can only choose one willie nelson or george jones i think <laughs> i heard his soul making that decision <laughs> he, he made it he made it rather quickly but he was like oh i can't do that <laughs> but no show jones won the day i can't disrespect that decision i wouldn't want to make it but if i had to live without one or the other for me it'd be willie i couldn't imagine not having the music of willie nelson in my life Oh yeah, same here. Willie Nelson was Owen's first concert. Wow. Although he's probably much too young to remember. <laughs> I think he was only like one or two years old over at uh, Shelburne Museum. Yep. But through all of this, I can still connect to this era of country music mm -hmm. anytime because of hearing it when I was young and hearing it when my kids were young. There's no match for the storytelling in country. Oh no, not at all. Even if country music isn't your thing, there's a uniqueness to this era of country Pretty much everything pre-80s was about real life, real problems, and told with brutal honesty. Some of it was actually tongue-in-cheek and funny. A lot of the songs from the earlier era, if it wasn't in that direction, it was kind of ironic and funny and fun to listen to. Fighting, drinking, cheating, and loving, however they worked it out. It, it wasn't about your dog, your pickup truck, and your boogie woogie line dance like it turned into. <laughs> Boot scoot and boogie. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, read up on George Jones. That was a life. His wife at the time, Shirley, she would hide the car keys so he wouldn't go drive to get more alcohol. That man drove a riding lawnmower to get the job. <laughs> of course <done>. he did. <laughs> when he was married to Tammy Wynette, she pulled into a bar 10 miles away from their home only to find the lawnmower in the parking lot. <laughs> if you watch the video for Hank Williams Jr.'s song, uh, All My Rowdy Friends Are Coming Over Tonight, that video memorialized George driving that lawnmower down the road. Yeah. <laughs> These are men and women. They were road dogs, and they lived a full life. And when they sang a song about drinking and fighting, while we do recognize current country music as having little to no impact on our lives, we can't say the same for some of these incredible legendary musicians we heard growing up. We are definitely not experts, but we know what we like. Yeah, we do. That actually sounds like a good lead into our five. Instead of going on too much about country, it's our background. Let's talk about our five songs and get the show on the road. We know this is going to be a shorter show this week. 
but hopefully it's a gift to our listeners out there enjoying their Thanksgiving weekend and they can join us for a walk down memory lane. I went first for the 1984 episode. So you get to go first this week, which means you get to tell us what your first song is going to be on the playlist for country music. I'm going to start us off with a great song, Wichita Lineman from Glenn Campbell. Nice. Glenn Campbell straddles the line between country and folk, but he's embraced by country music as one of their own. All of the songs I've included in this five are some of my favorites of all time. It's This is a beautiful song. It's it's haunting to me. It's probably the strings, um, but I don't know if there's a better lyric professing love than what's in this song. And I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. I think Glenn Campbell might be the most loved country music artist in the UK. He is, oh, good. yeah, he is really uh, a legend here. And when I moved over here, I was really surprised because people that wanted to talk to me about country music wanted to talk about Glenn Campbell. And it made me kind of go back and dig deeper into his, his catalog of music. And I've got a lot of respect for him. He was a great guitar player, a great singer, great songwriter, great all-around musician, great first song to bring, Wichita Lineman. And even... In- and even Rhinestone Cowboy is a good song. Oh, absolutely. I think for every one of these artists, we can give an honorable mention or two. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. But uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, I think it gets chided for just the name. Uh, it's still a good song. <laughs> it is a great song. Yeah. All right, Jim, that was my one. What is yours? My first one, I'm going to start off with an artist that's very difficult for me to really say, I'm going to pick this song over that song. Because like I said, you know, honorable mentions abound in this show are probably going to happen, but it's Patsy Cline, I Fall to Pieces. I think if you looked up haunting music in the dictionary, there should be a picture of Patsy Cline singing. She has one of the most iconic voices of all time. The way it was captured on her recordings is absolutely incredible. When people say old records sound good, this song is one of the best examples She was one of the first country artists to be considered a crossover to pop. She was an original and was one of the first one-of-a-kind vocalists that came out of the 50s and 60s. She died in a plane crash when she was only 30 years old. And all I can do is imagine is what else would she have had to offer? She was just amazing. Oh, yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, When I think of legends of country music there's a lot of names you can put on there but i probably put her at the top she's definitely on the mount rushmore yeah she is and her voice you said it with the way they record her voice there's such a clarity Mm -hmm. to to her voice on these songs yeah um and it's uh it's beautiful she just had it's effortless the way she sings it's amazing so yes yep yep excellent so that's my first choice what is your second choice matt Number two is Mama Tried by Merle Haggard. Yeah, good song. We go back, yeah, we go back to storytelling at the heart mm-hmm. of country music. It, you know, it's at the heart of all music, but especially country. Uh, Merle is one of the classic greats in and out of the juvenile detention centers most of his youth and finally wound up in San Quentin for attempted robbery. While in prison, he learned his wife was expecting a child with another man. Then he got out in nine, 1960 he resumed performing as he had done earlier in his life. In all of these life experiences, you believe he knows what he's talking about when he sings the line. Mm-hmm. And I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but mama tried. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was an outlaw and country music was full of outlaws. And he was definitely a, a classic example of that. 
I think uh, Oki from Muskogee would be the honorable mention. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad definitely had a Merle Haggard album or two in, in his collection, and they got played on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, good choice. Good awesome. choice. All right. What is your number two? My number two is going to be Charlie Pride. Kiss an angel. Good morning. I just want to sing this song with you. And love her like a <laughs> devil when she gets back home. Get back home. I also like the lyric, though. And let you know you think about her when you're gone. It's such a really cool song. It was a great country song crossing the lines of wholesome and good old lovemaking. (laughs) Charlie Pride broke down the barrier of country and African-Americans, and he was widely accepted across the board in the late 60s, early 70s. He was the first African-American to win many of the major country music awards. I think like like the Country Music Artist of the Year, whatever that big award is that they give each other each year. I think he was the first to win that. And he wasn't a gimmick. He was a true country legend. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And uh, a lot of these country artists, they're, they have identifiable voices. Yeah. You know when Charlie Pride came on. That's, that's fucking Charlie Pride. That's Charlie Pride. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Yeah. All right. Great Charlie Pride. So what's your third choice then? My third is another Charlie, but we're going to go with Charlie Rich, Mm -hmm. the most beautiful girl in the world. Uh, Another rich crooning country voice. I want to sing this song with you. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Hey. (laughs) Happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world. I still get chills from the steel guitar when he sings the line, tell her I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. because everything else cuts back. But that steel guitar just goes for that really high note. And then everything comes back in the background vocals, man. The man knows he messed up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so many older country songs are short like this. There's no filler. It's just great stuff from beginning to end. Yeah, it is. All right. What's your number three? Well, I'm going to go to Randy Travis. We talked about him. He was really kind of the last country music star that I paid attention to in the 80s. And the song is Digging Up Bones. This song is just funny to me. I, I had to put it on today and listen to it. I was cooking in the kitchen and listening to some, you know, pop and rock radio. And I was like, I'm in the mood to listen to Digging Up Bones. I know I'm going to talk about it later. I've got to hear it. <laughs> you're heartbroken. You're sitting in the middle of the night, missing your lost love. So you start digging through old stuff. The picture that had been put in the drawer, you you take it out, you put it on the table and you talk to it till four. You have the old love letters. Randy, burn that shit and throw it away. (laughs) Wait, this is coming from you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of the 70s and early 90s, like I said earlier, country music had crossed those lines of pop and more times than I think the old school fans were comfortable with. Randy showed up. And he sounded like an old soul. His voice was as unique as any in country. He brought it back to his roots with his Storms of Life album. Oh, definitely. Another beautiful crooning voice. Oh, I remember seeing him perform this one live. I I think it was on the Grammys. Oh, nice. He was was very well, very well accepted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like you said, I think he kind of reset country music. He did. He did. Yeah. At the time. All right. Awesome. So that's my number three. What's your number four? My number four will be Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers and broken lady. Oh, uh, right. The old familiar refrain of mine in vocal harmonies, mm-hmm. right? It goes back to hearing songs like this growing up. The Gatlins harmonized so beautifully and seamlessly. It sounded like one glorious voice doing everything. 
Larry Gatlin, I think he might be one of those artists that time has forgotten a little bit. So hopefully people will listen to this and feel something and want to hear more. Yeah, that's a, it's a great song. He's a great artist. Those guys were incredible. One of the years we did, I almost picked all the Golden California as one of my oh, my I did too. Yeah. <laughs> because that's got great, it comes in great harmonies. With those harmonies right at the start, oh, just starts so right off. Beautiful. Yeah. I, you could yeah. pick a few songs. I think Larry oh, Gatlin's yeah. deal is that Larry Gatlin's one of those guys, and with this band, that they look like 1970s people. They don't look like country music stars. He doesn't yeah. fit that country image with how he looks. But as soon as he starts singing, and as soon as the backup singers are there and they're all doing their harmonies. It is pure country and it sounds incredible. Cool. Yeah, good choice for number four. Yeah, shout out to all the golden. Yeah, there we go. Thanks for thanks for that poll. That was awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. All right. On to you. What do you got next? All right. My number four song is going to be well, you mentioned them earlier. We'll talk about harmonies again. And it's the Statler Brothers, Flowers on the Wall. You might know this from the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, if not anywhere else, but uh, it is one of my favorite country music songs of all time. This is one of those songs when I make a playlist, not everything I'm mentioning today will wind up on a big playlist of songs I'm going to listen to if I'm doing stuff or going on a road trip or something. But if I'm going to pull a country music song onto it, this song goes on. The harmonies are amazing. The syncopation of the voices is perfect. The music and the melody is great, but it's the lyrics that are the best part. You're singing along to it. I, hey, I know you just left me, but don't check on me. I'm fine. I'm smoking cigarettes and watching Captain <laughs> Kangaroo. <laughs> now don't tell don't me. Don't tell me. I have nothing to do. This do. is the biggest sing-along episode we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> and the Statlers also had other great songs, but this song is one of those songs that if somebody said to me, name a Statler Brothers song, I wouldn't hesitate straight away to say flowers on the wall. That's it. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Followed up by bed of roses. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Again, identifiable voices, right? Mm -hmm. When this, when they come on, Oh hell yeah. That's the Statler brothers. They're doing backup vocals for somebody. Hell yeah. That's the Statler brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. You just know it. They're great. Awesome. All right. So what is your last song then Matt to close off country music episode? My last one will be Hank Lachlan's please help me. I'm falling. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it yes. is. You know, this is one of my earliest favorite songs and one I can't live without. It's definitely one of my favorites of all time. I love the vocal melody so much. Infidelity, it's another country music staple, but this time he's begging this woman to just don't tempt me. <laughs> Even though he's in a dying marriage, he wants to remain honorable and faithful. And as a bonus, there's an answer song that came out sung by Skeeter Davis. That's worth checking out. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I'll, I will go take a look. I didn't know there was an yeah. answer song. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from the side of the temptress. You gave me an appreciation for this song. This is one of those songs that I really only knew the catch of the chorus because of like time life albums that were coming out in the eighties oh, yeah. and nineties, you know, and now listen to this one. And then we were talking on a previous podcast that I'd done. You were a guest and I had you pick one song that you would have for the rest of your life on a desert Island. And this is the song you picked. So oh, yeah. your statement of being the song you can't live without. Absolutely. I believe that. And oh, yeah. Hank Lachlan's one of those guys that I don't think gets enough recognition for his music and there are a few artists like that once you go back beyond the 70s into the 60s and 50s and he's definitely one of them he was great so good choice oh yeah and this was probably going to be the only way i would get this song on the playlist <laughs> so i'm glad we're doing a country episode absolutely it belongs <laughs> on there 
Oh yeah. Hell of a song. All right, Jim, close us out. What's your number five? All right. I'm going to close us out with a guy I grew up watching as a co-host of one of the television shows I was pretty much raised on every Saturday night. And I was thinking about Hee Haw. If you've not heard of Hee Haw, that's the show. <laughs> but here's the thing. My parents also like to watch Lawrence Welk, which was so boring. But Hee Haw came on afterwards. And it was so refreshing to go from watching all these 70-year-olds dancing and waltzing to Lawrence Welk conducting his orchestra to the, uh, you know, the, the, the cartoonish country setting that Hee Haw was. And this gentleman is Buck Owens. Buck Owens and the song is Act Naturally. I can go watch Hee Haw clips on YouTube all day long. And they just make you smile and laugh. I was doing it the other night when we were talking about doing the show. And, you know, if you've seen our Facebook page leading up to this episode, you'll probably get a couple of the where, oh, where are you tonight? (laughs) (laughs) And and some mini Pearl and Grandpa Jones. Hey, Grandpa, what's for dinner? (laughs) You know, it was just such good fun back then in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's just lighthearted, uh, good-natured humor. Yeah, and, the, you know, Roy Clark and Buck Owens, they were the hosts of the show, and they had amazing performances. I can't do a country music episode without finishing here with Hee Haw and this country song, Act Naturally. I probably knew the song more as a young child because the Beatles covered it and Ringo Starr sang it. It was on their Yesterday and Today album. So I grew up with this song. But I went back and I really learned to appreciate Buck Owens. I think there was Buck Owens and the Buckaroos was his band. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it was. And they had 21 number one songs on the Billboard country charts. I think he's another one of these guys like Hank Lachlan I mentioned earlier. Buck Owens gets really sadly overlooked today. Yeah, he, he definitely does. He's a legend. Yeah. Great voice. Yeah. Great boys. I'm glad you brought that one. And him and Roy, they had such good chemistry together on that show. Weren't they amazing? Oh, they were. They were great together. If I could, you know, bring an example of a great musician to the show, I would just say, go watch Roy Clark pick a banjo. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, oh, he could play the banjo. Like, oh, he was so awesome. I don't know if anybody's ever picked as well as he has. You know, it's just amazing. Man. Yeah. One of the best. Yep. So, definitely classic. Yeah. Hey, everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this country episode. Yeah, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, we got to get back into the groove of years of our life. Yes, we should. It is fun to do these special episodes, though, and I think it breaks things up a little bit. But we need to go to a year. So the next episode, what is it going to be? The next one is going to be 2010. Nice. Yeah, we're going to pop out another 2000 year. Yeah. Just because. <laughs> why not? We got to do it, don't we? <laughs> why not? We got to choose a year and we're getting, uh, uh, the years are getting uh, farther and fewer between in which to choose. And so. I started looking at some of the years and counting on my fingers as I was looking at the shows and saying, oh, wait a minute, we got five in this 70s and we got five in the 80s. And we yeah, got, that's we need, what I was doing too. Yeah, we need to hit up some of these years. So that's fine. Yep. 2010 is great. We had six in this 2010 range. So I said, it's got to be somewhere here. It's got to be there. I, I'm fine with doing 2010. That was a good year for me. I've got some stories I'll probably tell on the episode. That was the year before I moved to the UK and I was gigging quite a bit. So I know there was a lot of connection with music in 2010 for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds like another good connection. All right. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning into this very special Thanksgiving episode. Just so you all know, even though I'm over here in Scotland, I have taken the Thursday off and I am going to have a turkey. I am going to have cranberry sauce. I am going to have butternut squash with Vermont maple syrup blended in with it. And I actually ordered stovetop stuffing off Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, what are you going to be drinking? I will probably be drinking, I don't know. <laughs> I'll probably be drinking Scottish beer. That's all I can really get over here. I, if I could, I'd go out and buy some Paps Blue Ribbon just to feel like an old family man, but I, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I'll probably just be drinking some good old Scottish craft beer. I might go for a, a, a whiskey, glass of port, maybe a glass of red wine. Glass of red wine with a turkey dinner goes down really well. Sounds like you got quite the menu going. Oh, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Gobble, gobble. Yeah. 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 Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And thanks for tuning in. Yeah. We will see you next time. Peace, love, and podcast. Peace.